2: Hello and welcome back to Still Watching WandaVision. I'm Vanity Fair senior writer Joanna Robinson.
3: And I'm Vanity Fair chief critic Richard Lawson.
2: This is actually not our last Still Watching WandaVision episode because we will be back next week with a sort of bigger wrap up of the season. Uh, we'll have some fun guests next week. Catherine Hahn and showrunner Jack Schaefer will be joining us next week. So we will have, you know, one more go around Westview, one more run around the block uh, on this show. Also, I have yet to uh, chat with Katherine Hahn and Jack Schaefer. Um, so I'll be doing that sometime early next week. So if you have questions for Katherine Hahn or Wandavision showrunner Jack Schaefer, please do send them over stillwatchingpod at gmail.com and I'll I'll ask them your questions. So hit me up with those. Um but like, like let's say you're just joining us for the first time. Let's say you don't even know what still watching is. Richard for the first time ever in this podcast history i'm gonna make you explain it what's still watching
3: well the basically you and i pick a show and sometimes anthony breslin can our colleague uh pick a show that we're kind of obsessed with and we break it down week by week um we answer listener questions and we have interviews and we theorize and most of those theories at least in wandavision's case (laughs) prove to be (laughs) wrong
2: Um I just before we get into it all I will just say that like my prevailing uh comment as I was watching the finale last night was oh well oh well yeah. like every yeah. 5 minutes yeah. Um all right so so yeah so we will be breaking down the the series finale which is the title also the series finale of One Division um and so if you haven't watched yet you might want to go watch that and come back Anthony Breskin will be with us in the back half as as ever to talk about some you know nerdier comic book stuff and then uh the great Emma Caulfield who did have a little moment in this episode uh will be joining us in here and I'm just excited to talk about it to Emma because you know I'm I'm a long time Emma Caulfield. Fan and yeah. she worked with Jack Shaver before, so I think it'll be fun to hear about like all the secrecy, all the fan theories around her character, and like how, how that landed with her. So we'll have that interview in this episode. Um, and we have your listener emails as well, still watching pod at gmail.com. You can send in more still if you want to. Um, as I said, we're going to do one more big uh, division episode. So, Richard, do we want to start with some emails you might have gotten yeah. this morning?
3: Yeah, uh, the, the first one I wanted to share is from Alex in New Jersey. Uh, and Alex writes, Well, I wanted to write in because I anticipate the vision of it all uh, during the finale may ruffle some feathers, but I found it deeply satisfying. I don't mind White Vision leaving at the end without sharing a scene with Wanda. The strong implication, based on the double vision dialogue scene, is that White Vision, despite now having its old memories unlocked, but not implanted memories of fake Vision's Westview life, is not simply who he was before he died in Infinity War. He's something else. And his relationship to Wanda could be dis- distinct as well. There's a whole movie's worth of potential unwinding who this new vision is and how that might relate to Wanda. There would be no way to do that justice to that within the confines of this finale. On top of that, fake vision and the life he had with Wanda in the hex was real and deserved the beautiful farewell scene he received. That version of the character and his life with her is truly gone, just as the Infinity War vision is also gone. A new one stands and he is very different, so to me that's not a cheat or an unsatisfying end. P.S., I love that Agatha will be able to return in the Loki mode of benevolent antagonist.
2: Yeah. I'm glad we're starting here because this, uh, putting, putting two potential characters on ice, both Agatha and vision for future use is a very smart little Marvel move here. And, um, I, I'm glad we're starting here because the, the, the farewell to vision, um, you know the purple vision um between uh that scene is my favorite part of the finale and so i'm glad to start on like something that i loved about the finale which was that scene which i found very emotional um what do you think richard
3: well with all due respect to alex and to you uh I i I think it was kind of a cop-out I think if you're going to do a whole show that's about grief and end at the end, be like, but he'll be back. Uh, Yes, in an altered form, whatever. I think that's a little bit like Marvel going to Marvel, you know. Um, I just filed a review to the site of the finale and kind of the series Mm -hmm. as a whole that was a little more negative than I had been at the beginning. Just because I think that there had been this kind of relentless. It felt like marketing assault that this is a show that's deep and meaningful and about grief and all that. And it addressed that in the end, but I think it also was like, but again, we're this huge cinematic universe and things, no one's ever really dead and, you know, good luck with your actual mortal grief. We're going to, you know, we're going to see Vision again. Um, That said, that's one half of me or one side of me. The other side of me totally agrees with Alex that that does sound like a kind of a compelling um, potential movie in the future or maybe another series or another season of this and, um you know i i like these actors i like the sort of bond that these characters have um you know albeit i guess this is a, di- a new tertiary or third character or something um so yeah I, on the one hand i feel a little bit swindled on this sort of like marvel insisting that this was a sort of deeper show with like pathos um mm-hmm. and when it's actually just kind of like you know another marvel thing which is fun um but on the other hand i like the fun marvel stuff and i feel like white vision is a, it factors into what's to come in a in a probably crucial way
2: <laughs> i i'm soliciting uh input on what to call that character other than white vision even though that is of course like you know what well the show is just billing him as the vision um in in the closing credits they they made that uh it's like west vision and the vision is is white vision um but i was on twitter last night sort of asking people what to call the character other than white vision let me see if i can uh read a few uh potential someone said fission which is like fake vision right but also nuclear fission right someone suggested vision which is like white and vision uh which i read in antonielchen's star trek accent which is like <laughs> wik the wik vision um <laughs> warvis like wario but jarvis like cracked me up negavision which is a scott pilgrim reference i really liked unseasoned vision uh cracked me up host vision which is a westworld reference so there was like a bunch of clear vision a bunch of suggestions i think we'll probably just end up calling him white vision unfortunately but um that is where we are yeah i mean uh, bringing in some comics based knowledge i will say when white vision which is a Thing that happens in the comics. That that Vision is rebuilt as this white Vision. He has no memory of Wanda, and no attachment to her, and so they don't they don't force that moment in in this finale. Which, as you say, like or or as the listener said, like they didn't have a lot enough time. I think probably to go there, but that's a traumatic moment for Wanda. In her life, to see someone who looks like her husband um who doesn't remember her, so like we saw we when we saw white vision get you know sort of i don't know rebooted by uh Wesley vision or whatever uh he did have one of memories in there, so I don't know exactly how they're gonna play that out um but yeah i mean i do think it would have. I, I think i would have been like a sobbing mess on the floor if it had been like a real 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 goodbye uh to vision and it is a little disney of them to be like <laughs> for now ta-ta for now uh you know so um well yeah and i think that like the ta-ta yeah. for now
3: is you know in keeping with the house style in a way like you said but i do think that like there was a lot Week to week with this show, with the coverage of the show, with, with, um, uh, you know, I think the, the, the series itself or Marvel itself kind of advertising this, like, yeah, let's, exp- it, you know, the, the, the memeable line about love persevering and all that. And to get people to watching the show to really, like, dig in with that and kind of grapple with their own feelings of loss or whatever. And then kind of be like, well, you can sit in that because we're we're just gonna keep you know like like we get to invent whatever, like I just felt a little bit like um I don't know, kind of mining this sort of communal therapy session and then sort of not sticking to the being like, I'm actually not an alcoholic, you know, <laughs> like I don't know it's yeah. just I don't know, it felt a little bit like manipulative, maybe,
2: yeah, I mean I. I'm clinging to those emotional moments that, that moment between Wanda and Vision and the stuff with the kids, which we'll get to mostly because that's the stuff I really wanted to see. Um, and, and the CGI flying around shooting fireballs at each other is absolutely not what I wanted to see, but I knew it was coming. And so, and, and that was much more of the episode than I had wished it would have been. So, so there's this big conversation going on right now, right? Which is before the series finale aired director, Matt, Shack- Matt, Shackman, who directed all the episodes, gave this interview where he said, you know, everyone's going to be disappointed in the finale because people got too worked up about fan theories. And so mm-hmm. they're going to be disappointed that the finale is much more straightforward than all the fantastical things that they had created for themselves. Al Pacino, Patrick Stewart, <laughs> like, et cetera, et cetera. What the rabbit is, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And I (laughs) – so I went into the finale, like, determined to not let fan theories, like, our our fun speculation time that we had on this podcast, get in the way of my enjoyment. So I told myself the thing that I really wanted was some authentically emotional moments, some good performances from Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen during what I was hoping would be a goodbye scene. So I found myself satisfied by that. I found myself satisfied by some of the kids stuff. Um, and then the other stuff that I was dissatisfied by, I really don't think it had anything to do with fan theories not panning out. It just had to do with this third act Marvel thing that they do where they feel like they do need to have this big spectacular fight. And I was just trying to think of like what, you know, you and I have both seen all the Marvel movies. What fight in the Marvel movies have I enjoyed, have felt like truly emotionally connected to the characters and not just something that they feel like a, a box that they feel like they need to check to appeal to maybe younger audiences who are excited to see a fight like that or something like that. Um, and Um I came up with two examples. One was Captain America and the Winter Soldier because it's this fight between steve and bucky on this you know helicarrier and it is very emotional mm-hmm. um like what's going on there all the fights throughout that movie are very emotional and that's why probably why it's my favorite um marvel movie and similarly iron man 3 there's this big fight on this you know like um oil rig or whatever at the end and where iron man has to like blow up all his suits and that's connected to like a problem at the root of his relationship with pepper and all this of stuff like that so there's some like there's some stuff there's some juice there and and while there's some juice here with like Wanda is trying to protect her home or or her identity or, you know, the potential sort of interesting dynamic between these two powerful women, at the end of the day, it felt more like one of those box checky things than than the other thing which I have liked in the past. What do you think?
3: Yeah, I mean, I I'm so sort of I, I'm really like torn about it because. I thought that that third act with the big fight was sort of, okay, here we go. You know? Um uh but I kind of weirdly didn't mind it as much as I, I, I felt. And, and I, I think the scene, you know, the goodbye scene was so well acted and I, and yeah, I think it, so it, it, it had its, you know, like it's a, it's a, it's a really dark thing that the show is considering, like her children, like just going away, you know? And then I think cutting to like her in this empty lot, I think that was that's was pretty you know effective, um, but that kind of the way that in the post credit scene set up the fact that like the kids probably aren't actually really gone either. That kind of bridge building to like future Marvel content like D- Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness mm-hmm. that bothered me more than Marvel just being plain Marvel in the third act and just having a big aerial fight, you know. Um,
2: interesting yeah, i think yeah. that I they're trying to
3: have their cake and eat it too in a way and like look i'm in the thing that i wrote that's it's on vf.com if people want to read it like at the end i'm like i'm still gonna watch all this stuff <laughs> like i'm not i'm not pretending that i'm like above it or anything but it's just um i think i get a little bit annoyed when um things like this that are like pure you know premised on commercial uh, you know interests and, and and fun and sort of you know big spectacular stuff try to then insist that they're doing something more profound or deeper or whatever, and then kind of just like uh, exploit that sort of profile for clout in a way, you know, um, that bothers me more than Marvel or whatever, just doing what they do, you know, again, again.
2: Yeah. It's interesting. Cause like basically Marvel here was, was taking us is taking a swing at, at some prestigier. Yeah television type of storytelling, right? Like I think the penultimate episode, you know, Wanda's therapy journey through her past traumas is such an ambitious thing to do. And, and really convinced me that that was the kind of show that they were trying to do. And the thing is, I, to your point, I think they're trying to do both. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. that in this case, the blend is a little off. Um, you know what I mean? So, um, uh, let's talk about well <laughs> let's let's go to this other email what what other email do we want to talk about here
3: well let's take a look um so we have an email you're talking about the one with the comparison to another show mm-hmm.
2: mm-hmm.
3: yeah okay um okay this is from Tommaso from Italy well he says actually from Brussels but he's Italian that sounds nice um he says, um, I would love, to, I, I would have loved to hear your takes on the third season of, of American Gods, The Star Show, which, after a terrible season two, is doing great, in my opinion. I also wanted to say that I was really struck with you mentioning the hysterical woman-slash-unstable-powered-woman trope. What do you think of the season ending in that regard? To be honest, some points of the development of Wanda's story made me think a lot about Daenerys Targaryen, though luckily with a better conclusion. Uh, so what do you think about that as someone who—have you seen Game of Thrones? <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, I think I caught an episode once. Um, I, I've been thinking a lot about Daenerys and how, you know, this, this story, you know, I asked Elizabeth Olsen about, we've talked about it in the show. I I asked Elizabeth Olsen about it when I interviewed her. I asked Kat Dennings about it. I'm certainly going to ask Jack Schaefer about it next week. Um, but th- this idea that like Wanda in the comics, as she sort of loses her grip on, on her sanity, um, like those stories have been written uh, historically by, by male creators. And so I was interested to see how, th- and, and as you know, the, the writing team at Game of Thrones uh, was all male uh, in the final seasons. And so I, I was just interested to see what a female showrunner, um, a, I think a, a majority female writer's room and like a, a thoughtful performer, like Elizabeth Olsen, um, would do with this story, Uh, this trope of like the, the, the hysterical woman that we've seen, Daenerys Targaryen or Dark Phoenix is another one. Um, You know, something I was really hoping that they wouldn't go quite lockstep with what we've seen from Wanda in the comics. And I think that they did manage that, honestly. Like, I think we feel a little fear for, for Wanda more than fear of Wanda, if that makes sense. And her traumatic journey, this em- emphasis on slowly breaking down the drama, the trauma, and 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 its evolution, um, I think is 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 really strong because, uh, you know, this 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 was seated in in a bigger Marvel movie context, in Infinity War and Endgame. We get these moments with Wanda, but to give her eight episodes to build up to it rather than a feature film or as it felt like in Game of Thrones, just a really hasty run to the end line, you know. Um I think I think they're just giving that uh, a lot more respect uh than it has received in the past, the nuance of it and the dangers of that trope. Does that make sense, Richard?
3: It does. Yeah.
2: But um
3: <laughs> No, 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 it does make sense. No, yeah. I was just going to say that um I think um, the difference for me is that Daenerys was trying to seize control of a bad institution, you know, like that she mm. felt she had the right to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was so it's much more like geopolitical and about, you know, she was freeing people, but she was also you know, her her ultimate goal was to rule over people, you know. Um, and I think that kind of like sort of messianic mixed with militarized kind of ambition uh, is a bit like a, a bit of a darker shade of that kind of, of this kind of trope whereas with Wanda it's individual um, and I think what we see her at the end in the second credit scene where she's some manifestation of hers going about her day much like Thanos in his little cabin while actual Scarlet Witchy Wanda is like furiously learning more and more about you know magic or whatever um i don't know that we need to read that as her becoming like you said like dangerous but like it's more just about evolution and like people changing and i think that in a more meta sense in terms of what marvel needs to do now that they've ended one big phase of like the avengers project and now need to sort of figure out what to do with all these ancillary things that are now you know coming out like wandavision and um Alpin and the winter soldier and other you know movies with these characters that we know but eventually i think they're going to have to come into some sort of convergence and having a character who's been there since you know age of ultron um, who has changed and who has grown more powerful but also who has deepened in, in her characterization um, i think you know from a, from a business standpoint that's how you kind of keep people engaged like the comic books these characters change they evolve so i i, I see it not as like a kind of final form the way it maybe was for Daenerys. I think this is just kind of like a stop on the Wanda kind of journey, I guess.
2: Yeah. Yes. I think that's right. You're right. Um, I think that is a good distinction to draw. And I think, I think the fear for Wanda, like, I wouldn't mind seeing her grow ever more powerful. I think that's great. This, um, but I think the fear for has to come in, like, some of the things that Agnes says about, or Agatha, sorry, I, I never know exactly what to call her, uh, says about, you know, you don't know what you've done or you, you know the scarlet witch uh more powerful than the sorcerer supreme breaker of worlds like uh, you know that that is language that could be setting her up to be not a villain of doctor strange but but in ta- <laughs> our producer Dave is going to be happy when I say this. An antagonistic force. Do you know what I mean? Someone mm-hmm. who is doing something. So let's say, let's let's game it out. Let's talk about the the this this cabin scene at the end before we zoom back through the episode. Um, if you if you didn't stay, there's two. Yeah, you know, there's a mid-credits and sort of another mid-credits uh, scene. And the second one is Wanda in this cabin that looks like Thanos' cabin or Tony Stark's cabin by the lake. A lot of cabins by the lake uh, in in uh, Marvel. Um, and we see her making tea for herself and also, as you say, sort of like studying and reading. This is a Doctor Strange move. We saw that in the Doctor Strange movie of Doctor Strange doing one thing while studying at the same time. So it's already showing her like leveling up to a strange... Um, uh, you know, uh, power level, and then she hears her kids, and uh, somewhere these kids that she invented that she said goodbye to, um, you know, and she has that weird, worried look on her face, and uh, and so you could see, you know, Anthony and I talked about this a little bit last week as a possibility, but you could see a Doctor Strange film where Wanda, in her search for her children, in maybe ripping open the multiverse in order to find them. That's an empathetic uh, move, right? If she does that, we're still kind of with her. But whatever those consequences are might be something that Doctor Strange needs to intervene and set right. And that, um, that feels like somewhere they may be going. Um, mm-hmm. And as you say, to have someone, it's... It's so much more, rather than just introducing a random new villain of the of the week of the episode of the of the film at the beginning of the film, to have that antagonistic force be someone we met back as a teenager back in Ultron and someone we cared about because of their journey in this series. That's really strong and smart storytelling, right?
3: Right. Yeah. Exactly. And like, yeah. you know. It's, it's funny that this was a show that was sort of about these tv tropes or concerned itself with tv tropes and when people really a lot you know i've, I've read people describe the whole marvel movie series as a tv show you know oh yeah um, i've definitely because said that we have recurring yeah. characters and whatever and um and so it if we think of it in those terms like you know, eventually Miranda moves to Brooklyn. Eventually Wanda tears open the multiverse, you know, like, it just like, <laughs> like characters change and, th- you know, and then, and then Samantha and Miranda have a little side plot in one episode, which they haven't had before, you know? So like, like if this is all television in the macro sense, like it, it, it behooves the people creating it to uh, develop characters and to have them make choices that change their circumstances. And uh, not be so like linearly defined i guess um and i think that you know i'm curious to see where that goes you know um and i i think that one question i had for you about yeah. this final episode um was something i we don't we've kept harping on with the evan peters playing a version of wanda's brother yeah, um, yeah. and it seemed like that was kind of resolved in a way we didn't expect Uh, with this episode where he was just some actor who lived in the town. And maybe that was just kind of the show making a little winky meta joke at the audience being like, remember when he played that character in a different movie series? Um, Rather than it being like some sort of deeper you know, prying open of you know the multiverse possibility.
2: There's still a possibility though very slim that in some future something we find out that, oh, let's say uh, Ralph Boner. <laughs> uh, it was Jimmy Woo's like person in who was in witness protection and will try. I mean, you know, maybe let's cling to the shreds of that. But like, it seems that's the this is the only element of the finale that I'm a little salty about because everything else you might chalk up to us getting like sort of high on our own supply in terms of fan theories, and that I'm not mad about honestly, zero percent mad. Not mad. I think that Paul Bettany teasing himself as the cameo is one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my life. I think it's really funny. Um, the Evan Peters Ralph thing just really falls flat for me, and I, it feels like an intentional something that I think they thought would be cute and just really backfired on them. Um, and and I'm. And it makes me sad because I like Evan Peters a lot and I I wanted him around as Quicksilver. I believed that he was Quicksilver and uh, we were going to get some fun multiverse stuff. I understand that they didn't have time to do all of that in one season finale, but um, I don't know. The the conclusion of it wasn't like a really fun, oh, you scallywags moment that I think they were hoping it would be. It was a boner joke. It was a boner joke. Uh, what, one of our listeners pointed out to me that um, Boner is the name of um, I had forgotten Kirk Cameron's best friend in Growing Pains. His name is Boner, uh, sure so maybe is. it's a Growing Pains joke. But um, but yeah, just just, and and it was part of a sort of like weird sidelining of Monica, where Monica didn't get. You know, everyone got like a little moment. Monica gets a little moment. Darcy gets a little moment. Jimmy gets a little moment, and and, and maybe that's fitting because there there are side characters, and it, this is about Wanda and Vision and and Agatha. Um, but it feels like too much or not enough at the same time. If that makes sense, um, for those characters. Okay,
3: so here, speaking of Monica. Yeah. I'm going to get a little Anthony on you. Uh, th- I, this is more for your, your segment with Anthony, but I'm going to ask anyway. Okay. Yeah. Um. So when she steps in front of the kids and, yeah. I don't know, absorbs the bullets or something. Yeah. She gets a little invisible. And I was like, uh-huh. is this Fantastic Four? Is this like a different Sue Storm kind of thing? Or is this something Oh,
2: interesting. Else? I don't know. To me, it was almost like... um. It was almost like a a vision thing like it phased through her the way that like when you see the two visions fight like their fists go through each other because they have this like phasing ability so it feels like they almost gave her this like phasing visiony ability um i don't i didn't read it as as fantastic four but um i could be wrong and please email me if you disagree
1: no Um, i
3: think i am wrong i was just like oh i know there's another (laughs) character who turns invisible and they've been talking about putting them in the thing you know like that's all that's Isn't true, someone that's making true. a movie with them? I guess so. It uh, yeah,
2: be I mean, Kevin Feige said Fantastic Four are coming. Mm-hmm. There's no information on when, uh, how far down the line of their plan slate that is going to be. But um, yes, they will be doing a Fantastic Four film, and that's and there there were rumors that John Krasinski might be cast as. Um, it, it you know as Mr. Fantastic and so people thought maybe he would read Richards his character would show up in WandaVision. I mean that thing is like we were we were really going swinging for the fences with like some of the guesses around cameos and stuff like that. So um you know no John Krasinski is Mr. Fantastic which is fine honestly fine with me. Well we what we do get said in that Monica post credits um is there's a a scroll there who says like an old friend of your mom you know, heard you've been grounded, right? And wants to see you up in space, basically, which is our lead in I suppose to Captain Marvel two. Um so there's oh, two
3: different movies in this series.
2: Yeah, uh, at yeah. least. At the very yeah. least. Um if you if you go back and watch the end of Avengers Endgame, um the last like four scenes of that movie is just setting up Disney Plus shows. There's like a WandaVision scene. There's a Falcon Winter Soldier scene. You know, it's just like that's what the end of Marvel Things will be doing now is just throwing to the next thing.
3: What's the WandaVision um, scene in that? I don't remember.
2: It's just Wanda talking about vision and our grief about it. Right, 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 right. You know what I mean? And so presumably she like went from there over to Sword HQ and was like, excuse me. Right. And then Falcon
3: <laughs> and Bucky, we see them kiss. I remember that. Yes. Today, yes I, that I didn't happened. make that up today. No,
2: no, no. It no definitely not. Okay. Happened. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah so we you know we get this implication that monica is going to go up in space and hang out with the squirrels and the old friend of her mom is is um uh either ben Mendelssohn's character or maybe samuel L. jackson two options there. Oh,
3: oh right because we saw him in space
2: yes yes
3: at so, the end of spider-man How- spider-man thank you spider-man
2: far from home yeah so go up to space and, and join Samuel Jackson up in the sky. Fun. I love that for Tiana Paris, um, you know, et cetera. But um, with the, with that, you know, track being laid, I don't know. Is there anything else specifically you want to talk about in terms of this finale and what it did or didn't accomplish for you?
3: Mm, I feel like we've covered most of the bases. I think, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I, I feel so duped every time you realize, like, oh, they're just setting the ending is setting up for more, and I'm like, oh <laughs> god, we're just being sell, sold this like unending stream of product. And then I think about it a little more, and I get excited about, <laughs> about the new product, <laughs> you know. And I'm like, I'm trying to be all like, oh, I don't buy into that like corporate, you know. And I and I don't in sort of some principle, but like, <laughs> I am curious to see what Wanda does with Strange. And even I don't really like the Doctor Strange movie, but like I i don't know i'm just sort of like i guess i guess it's like done well enough you know that i'm like okay sure like <laughs> give me more um i don't feel that way about um other things from other companies that kind of try to do the same thing yes. um so i guess it's a testament to them i mean and yes and i think there were some issues i had with this episode and maybe with this show as a whole you know when viewed from the lens of of this episode um But for the most part, like, if they're going to make bridge content that sort of, you know, kept us company while we sat at home waiting for vaccination uh, before we can go back out to the movie theater someday and see these big spectaculars that they're kind of advertising with this show, at least it was good, (laughs) you know, like, at least it was it kept me engaged and was fun to theorize about and talk to you about. And, um, you know, I I don't know. We can ask that much more from... uh, entertainment that i willingly paid for
2: (laughs) i mean i guess i guess uh you know to to that end uh let's let's pull a marvel here ourselves and say like um if you enjoyed listening to us on this uh we just decided minutes before we hit record on this episode that we are gonna come back for falcon and the winter soldier that that's the next Mm -hmm. show we're gonna do so we're just gonna keep doing this uh so clearly whatever sort of misgivings you might have about the finale we're like And we're still – you still have us, you know what I mean? And that's the Disney Plus slash Disney way, where I'm just sort of like, but I'm still in, always. And it has been so much fun to talk to you about the show and to hear from listeners about the show. And especially, like, I'm really – tickled by how many people wrote in telling me they listened to this podcast with their kids that it that blows my mind. That's never happened. um, you know, I think as far as I know before. So um, you know, hopefully uh, you folks will be back for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But yeah, I mean, uh, the finale, I feel, you know, pretty mixed on, but it doesn't it doesn't really dampen my enthusiasm for the show as a whole. and um, and I'm curious you know, to see how it will go forward. I mean, that's the other thing is, like, can we really judge, you know, I there was a lot of discussion about how this finale was going to be judged. And I was like, can we really judge this finale as a finale when it's really, like, <laughs> tune in next time on Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, right? Like, Wanda's story isn't over. This story is going to be ongoing. The boys, uh, presumably, are going to be in the movie, like, Uh, you know so it doesn't feel like a finale and so then the stakes are lower that's you know i I don't have to close the book on this story because it's ongoing that's how i feel about it so
3: yeah exactly it's not an end of anything (laughs)
2: um all right well um we did it richard i will talk to you maybe next week if not the week after for falcon and winter soldier and uh until then where can where can folks find you
3: Oh, uh, you know, reading my—I got this like kind of big book of, of like runes, or I don't know what it is, but I, and I'm just going to read it this weekend and see what happens. I don't know, maybe something will happen. Um, but uh, while I'm doing that, you can read me on Twitter at Rylos and uh, on vf.com.
2: Um, do you need like a when you read that book at night? Do you need like a like a nightlight of some sort, or does it does it like glow on its own?
3: So it has this kind of weird glow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I found that when I read it, this kind of like red kind of hat thing sort of starts appearing over my head Oh, um, which is kind of and I keep hearing like I don't know people kind of calling out to me for help I don't know it's weird but anyway we'll see how it goes this weekend yeah
2: all right well enjoy that reading Um, and we will talk to you uh, next time and let us go now to our conversation with the great Emma Caulfield
1: hey I'm Brian Stelter host of Inside the Hive from Vanity Fair
2: Well, thank you so much for talking to me uh, about your WandaVision journey and everything else that's going on in your life. Um, I wanted to start with, did you expect when you when you signed up on this project with Jack Schaefer, who you've worked with before, did you – well, let me actually – let me start here. How aware are you of like how much theorizing and speculation was swirling around your character in the show?
0: I knew that pretty quickly. I mean, the fan reaction was immediate. And um, I was extremely surprised. I did not, I was thrilled. I just wasn't expecting that. I don't know, maybe that quickly, or if at all, I I didn't, I try not to have expectations about anything that I do, because, you know, it can go so many different ways. It's out of my control. So when that and it kind of exploded like that. I was like, "Oh, this is so much fun! This is great!" Um, you know, just getting completely versed in the Marvel universe. i <laughs> a weird mood. Um, I was like, "Who are these people? This is amazing! Let me, let me, let me look this up." Or like, "Oh, I know that one." Or, "Oh, what a good theory!" Blah blah blah. But yeah, I was I was very happy to say the least that people responded so well and so immediately um
2: Matt Shackman gave this interview earlier this week where he was talking about oh man all these fan theories are a little like out of out of this world and and the answer is going to be a little bit more straightforward than people are expecting. So when this happens when yeah. when people uh you know you're you're familiar with large uh you know genre mm-hmm. TV when people are mm-hmm. have built up their expectations around something or specifically around your character you know what are what are you thinking about Okay, what's going to happen when when the truth comes out about this?
0: You know, you know, you want everyone to be satisfied. You want everyone to be happy. You know that you're never going to please everybody, um, but I was very aware of the the magnitude that that uh, my like the sheer magnitude of the lore or the theories around Dottie. It was so massive that I knew there was n- there's just going to be no, there was, it was going to be possible for people to not be disappointed. Like, you know, and me feeling like I'm trying not to feel disingenuous, like doing my job and promoting and being stoked to be part of everything. And, uh, you know, but knowing full well, like, oh man, that's just so far removed from the truth. Oh my goodness. <laughs> sure. I hope you're not. Disappointed, <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's tough. Um, being this, you know, red herring of sorts is, you know, it's challenging. And I, I knew that, you know, what was going on for the most part, but you know, um, again, I, I hope no one eggs my house.
2: That oh one. man. No. I mean, uh, my reading of all of this is that people were, <laughs> we were so excited when you showed up in episode two, because, um, you know, we're, we're huge fans of yours. Um, on, on this podcast that we're recording this interview for, both of my co-hosts were like, Oh my God, Emma Caulfield's here. And I thought I was going to be the one to say, Oh my God, Emma Caulfield's here because we're all huge, <laughs> you know, on your fans and beyond. And, um, and so I think, I think your very presence, just an Emma Caulfield in the cast gets people excited and just wanting to see, everything they possibly can see from you. So I'm, you know, I'm hopefully some of it feels just hugely complimentary of us just like being excited to see you, you know?
0: Oh, no, no, no. That's thrilling. And I'm very intended, you know, it, it's to have me show up in that fashion, you know, it's, I don't calculate. It's not the right word, but it, it's, it's purposeful. Right. Um, You're not going to have me show up and, and immediately think there's nothing to my being there. Right. You know, it's obviously going to pull in a crowd, it's going to pull in certain you know, very similar fan bases. There's there it, there there will be speculation as to who my character is from the beginning. I mean that that was intended and and like I said, very purposeful direct. Um it was just for me as things kept getting more and more intense around, well she's this or she's this or she's this and I'm like first of all, I mean, I could never say anything anyway. I can, you know, I'm just, can I talk still? Am I cool to talk? Um, uh, I, I I, I was just worried for me. Like, oh, man, I hope I'm not going to bum anybody out by not being who you want me to be, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's all it. Um, and I know there's still speculation about you know, my name being Sarah and this character, Sarah, and whatever. And like, I I actually generally don't know anything about that either. Um, I I would really, of course, like to continue on in any fashion that Kevin Feige sees fit. Um, you know, it's a really great, it's a great universe to be a part of. So we'll see.
2: So the intention was to put you in there as this sort of like red herring. So, so and what that means for you uh, is you get cast in WandaVision and you can't tell anyone <laughs> until episode two uh, premieres. What was that sort of secret keeping experience like for you?
0: Yeah. Once the press saw, once the press saw the first couple episodes, then everything was, you know, I was like, okay, now it's out. You can go and you can. Say whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, uh, which was a huge relief because it is hard to keep a secret. I mean, that was from October 2019, wow. you know, and really it was just so jonesing to talk about it or just be supportive, even just be from like, a fan perspective tweet links to how cool Olsen is the open or like this or that, or like hey, you guys see this cool? Oh my god, I'm so looking forward to it, Wandavision. Just like a being, uh, you know, on the peripheral, just like peripherally supportive, um, without necessarily having to draw attention to me. Like why is Emma tweeting it? You know, right. I, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't talk. I literally couldn't even. Met. I just like this, a, a whiff of me being involved was just not allowed. Um, so, you know, once I actually got to start talking, it was like, Oh, thank goodness. And then I'm like, I still can't say anything. They're right. <laughs> like, Who are you? Can't tell you. But um yeah, well how many are how many episodes are you in? I can't tell you that either. I can't I can't tell you anything. But it's a really fun show and I love playing Dottie. Um, and I'm obsessed with all the actors and just in awe of how brilliant they all were on a daily basis.
2: Can you talk about the experience of, I know the production was a little split because of of COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Can you talk about filming the, I don't know, the last uh, two appearances you have in in episode seven and episode nine, did those happen much later than your earlier appearances? What, What was that like?
0: I started, so we, the show started October uh, 19 in Mm -hmm. Atlanta. Um, I was down there for rehearsals and doing all kinds of stuff down there. And then everything broke um, for the holidays and we were supposed to come back in, I think, February or whatever. The, The production was always moving back to Los Angeles. So, um, but then COVID happened and everything got shut down. So we didn't pick anything back up again until August. I wanna say August of twenty twenty. Um and we piled everything in pretty quickly. I mean, we had, you know, they wanted to launch when they wanted to launch and we had to get through things. Um and there was a lot to get through and the product you know, the production's massive and incredibly dope. Um <laughs> I uh, let's see I I think I think I wrapped that a. Uh, I mean I was done we, we went right until just about like close to close to Thanksgiving was where the finished around the end of November um, and you know we were shooting also through incredibly intense heat waves it was really really bad we were shooting all outdoors and lights. it was very very hot and it was difficult. I mean, and I wasn't even on, like, the wires, like, Catherine and Paul and Lizzie. It just, like, it was, you know, I don't know if you remember. It was hard to remember much anymore because all the days kind of together. <laughs> but, like, that particular time was excruciatingly hot. It was an unbearably bad heat wave that we had. And we shot a lot of those scenes. You know, a lot of the fighting, the finales, like, all that, that was all in the blazing blazing hot sun. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was challenging. But I think it probably just added to the intensity, really. We're all just trying not to pass out. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
2: Do you know, uh, if anything, I I know because the order of release of these projects was sort of flip-flopped because of COVID delays, um, Mm -hmm. I've heard that some of the... Ending of the of the show has changed just because it's all happening in different order. Uh, is that your understanding as well? Like, were were was anything changed about your final appearances in the
0: show? Um. See, honestly, I don't. Know, I don't remember. I don't know. Uh, I mean, we never shot anything in order anyway. Fair. Um, <laughs> you know, and we we jumped around all over the place. I mean, we were constantly just, you know, catching things when we could. We had weather delays or you have wind delays. We had, you know, bad fires and we'd have to shut down production for that and move things around. Um, the COVID protocols were, you know, great. They kept us safe, you know, very, very specific. There were a lot of things like, Well, we need to shuffle this, we need to move this, we're not gonna shoot this episode tomorrow on the scene we're gonna shoot that next week i mean things were constantly changing so it, it really i mean for real that was a yeah, very like, yeah i mean it was just it, it i wouldn't it wasn't chaotic because people didn't know what they were doing it was chaotic at times because the world was chaotic and it's like it's not just covid now we have crazy fires now we have wind storms with the fires now the air quality we can't even see okay you know like it'd be like fog or like you can't see your hand in front of you we can't shoot you know there was just a lot of that in addition to shooting things that were wonderfully you know, climatic it was just a lot of that kind of thing so at that point I I just I just stopped trying to really prepare anything it's like am I going to work tomorrow I don't know I'll find out at midnight or I'll find out at five o'clock when they okay the day, or in the morning, or you know whatever that kind of thing.
2: I'm I'm curious, you know, having worked with Jack before. And by the way, i I, I mean I was, I was a huge am a huge Buffy fan, so when a uh, timer happen. I watched it like when it was released, cause I was so excited to follow you wherever you went. Um, uh, uh so I'm an old school timer fan. Uh, so I was excited to see that you and Jack had sort of re- reunited on this and I'm wondering, you know, given that established collaborative relationship you guys have, um, what's your perception of this as like, you know, a big project for her. This is, this is something she's described as her baby. Like what has this moment been like for her from your perspective?
0: Uh, From my perspective, it would be obviously a tremendous amount of pressure. Um, There's always an an extreme amount of pressure with any project that you actually get, you know, hired to do and greenlit and financed. You know, there's always different stages of stress Um, and just the, the level of expectation levied at this particular project. Um, And then the other subsequent layer of, being a female in charge of it. Um, You know, all those, all those layers. Um, And I would remind Jack, like, this is not your, you know, this is not your freshman album. This is your sophomore album. Your freshman album was Timer. You succeeded with Timer. You killed Timer. Timer was dope. (laughs) Loved it. And it's, you, you know, you knocked it out of the park. Um, So, you know, in a way, you know, just try to just relax a little bit. It's impossible to relax. We all can't do that. But like, um, you know, it's not the first thing she's ever done. And plus she'd already, you know, worked on Black Widow. And, you know, she's just such a, she's just a very gifted creator, writer, human being in general. She's just, her sense of humor, lightning fast. Her, she's got like fast, she's like the sharpest, is it like the old westerns like the sharpest shooter in the west or whatever but like her brain you know it's rapid fire and everything she comes up with is brilliant and hilarious um, so to have all of that weighing down, you obviously is a lot um, but I mean the minute it got you know any critics have their, their hands on it but, you know it, I think it weighed a lot of fears because it was a hit critically well received extremely well received Fan, you know received well like you know all of it um and for her you know i just think the world of her i mean i just whatever jack wants i think jack should have um you know um i don't think there should i just think it should be nothing but green lights for her for the rest of time and if i get to be a part of I get to be in the car when she's going through those green lights, and you know I'll happily be in the back on the side, the trunk like wherever,
2: tending the roses in the in front of the suburban house whatever whatever she wants from you
0: yeah, no it's
2: um it's it's really exciting to think of a creator like Jack um who you know also did work on Black Widow being handed such important keys for this this uh new era of this massive story that they're telling like what what do you i mean what do you think it means um that marvel and disney are are looking to creators mm-hmm. like jack like I'll, I'll say this specifically something i love about wandavision um and you know and and this this comes down to your great scene in the finale is this um empathetic treatment.
0: Oh my god, sorry, that's so funny you mentioned that, not to cut you off. But yeah. like I was so unhappy with that performance. I couldn't even tell you. Were you? Why? I, want to happen. I don't know. I just wasn't happy with it. Like shooting it. It was you know I wanted this is just like a couple of scenes where I really wanted everything to land and I was I was never quite satisfied. Well, I I think it landed very well. So,
2: um, from my perspective, I
0: appreciate appreciate that (laughs) a lot. Um, It's just funny. It's like it's always so much different in your head. But anyway, I'm sorry I cut you off. Well, what what did you
2: want? What did you want it to be that you felt like it wasn't?
0: Um, I don't know. I feel like. I feel like if I'm if I'm aware if I'm aware of what I'm doing on any level, then then I'm not fully present. Then and mm-hmm. I think I, I I became I was aware of myself a you know a couple of different times during you know the finale. Like oh, wait a minute, like. you know, aware of where my hands were or aware of how my posture was or aware of the heat or aware of, you know, whatever it may be Um, where, you know, you ideally just want to be kind of almost like you're sleepwalking. You know, you want to be able to do the job and not walk into the wall, but you're not aware that you're asleep. You know what I mean? awake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so for me, that, that's, that's what it was. It had nothing to do with anything else. I'm just like, oh man, I, oh, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. How did you, maybe cry too soon or, oh, maybe you shouldn't have cried at all. Or, oh, did you get that beat? You know, maybe, you no, know, I wanted to hit that line a little different or stare a little longer. Or whatever, whatever. My own, like actor, insecurities or or perfection yeah. perfectionistic. Yeah. Well, what I was gonna and say. And you also want to yeah. match how good everybody else is. <laughs> Liz she shredded that whole I mean she's just so, so, so good. And fully think she should get an Emmy and I'm um, just I uh, just uh she's I'm, just, I'm so impressed.
2: She's so good in that moment and, and that that moment uh, but what I was going to say exactly is that moment between the two of you, which is like a mother talking to a mother about their kid. And like, it just seems like a kind of moment we haven't quite seen before. There's plenty of moments in this show that we haven't quite seen before in the MCU, which just seems to be mm-hmm. um, something a little bit more invested in genuine female-fronted storytelling. Do you know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Definitely having that perspective come through for sure. You know, it's such an, yeah, it's a, it's, it's like an, even if for me, it's not even something so specific as it just is an, an essence. Like I can not be as a woman, female, I could try to describe what that's like to somebody who's not like well, what's it like being a woman? I don't know. What's it like being a man? Uh, I don't know. That answer is going to be different for everybody. Yeah. But there, there is a, there is. um I don't know if ephemeral is the right word. I'm searching for a material. It's, it's it's a. It's just this kind of unspoken vibe. Like it's a vibration that. Um, when it's like you notice you notice once it once that once you have that thing that you can't quite grasp onto that unspoken whatever that connection between two females or the presence of that female and quotes all of it energy you don't realize how much you it was lacking until it's present you know um and it doesn't necessarily mean the, the actual presence of the, uh, you know, the actress on camera or whatever it is. It's just, it's a, it's just an energy that, that comes with being that sort of the, you know, the feminine in nature, the feminine, that thing. Um, and in, in that being particularly the feminine of, of motherhood and all the other layers that go along with that. Um, and it's powerful, and it's not like you said it hasn't really. It's not really, you know, touched upon. Um, and I think it's for the better that it, it has been. I think it's all been done beautifully. She's just so good. I get just literally just talk and talk and talk about Lizzie and how many layers that girl <laughs> peeled off. Like, so those just a joy to work with her. And with Jack, and just to have again all this this energy infused um, with the words and with the vibe on set and just, just everything, you know, and it's it like didn't, that, it, didn't, yeah. it, it didn't negate the male energy. No, at all. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like it. All they did, everybody just everything just enhanced. Everybody enhanced. You know, the male female dynamics. Every they were just enhancing each other. And no one had to get sold out or demonized or lessened. It was just like there's plenty of room for all of this. And when you allow that space, beauty comes.
2: There's you talk about like you don't know how quite to describe it, and it's like that not to drag this into a discussion of a Disney show, but it's like that old quote about uh pornography, which is like you know it when you see it, right yeah. you know it yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know you know that like a a woman has worked on this project when you see it um as a woman watching that's my experience at least um and i just I just think that there is just so much empathy, and like you know Captain Marvel. It is a Marvel movie that I really enjoyed, but that's a different kind of female experience. That seems more like workplace gaslighting uh, female experience. And this is like, this is so domestic. And I think that is such a very interesting place. You know, this is, this is a home. This is a mom. These are her kids. This is that kind of female experience is something I think I never thought I'd see in a big sort of superhero property. Do you know what I mean?
0: aren't we I mean I as a mother I don't know if you are a mother but I uh, that the I I feel superhuman surviving <laughs> yep. every day with a nearly five year old I'm like I could never have imagined the amount of energy and stress not bad but like the amount of that you, you take on, it's like literally taking on the entire world when you have a trial, because you're responsible for this person and you're placing this person in the world. And you're very, you're acutely aware of how the world is affecting this little tiny being. And so it, it's all, it's all encompassing all the time. And, you know, this like you just, the amount of times I surprised myself, Daily, like oh my god, I can't believe I wow, pat on my back, like whatever, and just like giving a shout out to all the moms out there who don't wear capes. I, mean, I think we should. I think we should all start wearing capes. Um, you know who who not only just take on this immense responsibility of motherhood and and guiding a little a little being. Into the world, um, but then also going out into the other the other universe, the, the universe that doesn't have your child in it, the workforce, the whatever, um, and crushing that too, or uh, not crushing it in some cases. Just being like you know, being human. Um, it is. I think, really poetic and beautiful that the show does, like you say, sort of on this domestic life and all this energy and all this power or lack of power and grief and promise and all of that that is wrapped up in that, in that, in that bubble, um, while also mirroring in a unforeseen way, beautifully, uh, our own bubbles at home and the pressures and the being in the pressure cooker of being in a bubble, which we have all been with lockdowns and everything else and all the grief and how beautifully the show and how beautifully Lizzie showcased that grief and that promise and the desire to change things. Um, having more power than you realize or not having enough. Um, I can't think of a more timely show in one
2: division right now? Yeah, this... this um,
0: That's a very long answer. No, okay. I, I just...
2: I do think the grief element of the show snuck up on a lot of people and in this moment of, of global grieving that we've been in for the past wow. year, um, mm-hmm. it, it really has landed on a level beyond sort of the explosive colored magic you know, (laughs) balls of light being thrown around in the sky, which is going to appeal on one level, that exploration of trauma and grief, and especially like grief as this experience in your home is, is something we all can really relate to right now. Very much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Um, What else is going on with you right now? I mean, a five-year-old sounds like enough, Uh, plus being on a highly secretive Marvel show where you can't say a single thing about what you're doing uh, also seems like enough. But is there anything else that you've got cooking that we should be on the lookout for? Well,
0: in typical fashion, I'm not allowed to say anything. So there you go. Really? I can neither confirm nor deny reports of me doing anything. I am I can confirm that I'm really enjoying cooking a lot. I am really digging that. Um and I can confirm that my daughter this is the best thing in my entire um and all my universes. Um but yeah, I am I'm I can't talk anything.
2: <laughs> oh that's fascinating. Okay. Um interesting. That's there you not go. I, I wasn't even fishing for that answer and yet there it is. Okay. Um well great. Is there anything else you want to say about Wandavision or Jack or your experience on the show?
0: Um I'm just incredibly blessed. I just feel very blessed that I was part of this really beautiful, intricate, layered, uh, phenomenal show. Um, just that alone is a lot, but also to been able to have worked at all during the lockdown that we were blessed enough to come back when, you know, we were one of the first ones to try it, like pest ballooning, seeing how we could get through this. Um, and that, and that we did it well and that no one, no one was sick. Everyone, everyone really pulled together because there was so much at stake, you know, people needed to work and wanted to work and there's so much value in that. Um, you know, just to like, okay, wow. Okay. I, I get to not only do something I'm really into, but I get to be lucky enough to work at a time when many people are not, um, so, the whole thing is just an enormous gift. And I can't wait to work with Schaefer again. I just, uh, just follow her to the moon and back. Um, and all applause to Matt, who is just this wonderful, spirited captain for all those months who never was in a bad mood, who never lost his temper, whose enthusiasm was contagious. Um, and, you know, also kind of, Doc, Catherine Hahn, who is just an offer as well. Just everybody. Um, it was a wonderful time, and I'm very blessed. And thank you very much, Kevin Feige.
2: Excellent. Well, thank you, Emma Caulfield. Um, it's, a, it's a personal thrill to talk to you. I'm such a huge fan, so uh, thank you.
0: Stop that.
2: <laughs> it's Thanks. true. It's true, man. I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry.
3: I'm Vincent Cunningham and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious.
2: Each week we're gonna talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip too. Of course. What are you guys excited to cover in the next few months?
3: There's a new translation of The Iliad that's coming out, Emily Wilson. Really excited to see whether I can read The Iliad again, whether I'm that literate. I mean, the jury is
2: out. I can't wait to hear Adam Driver go again in an Italian accent in Michael Mann's Ferrari. (laughs) He can't stop. I mean, and (laughs) and bless him. I can't wait. Molto bene.
0: Molto bene.
3: (laughs) We hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts.
0: You really
2: don't want to miss this. Don't. Don't miss this. Don't miss it. See you soon. (laughs) All right. Hello uh, and welcome back to uh, the back half of this show. Uh, Just so you know, uh, Anthony and I are going to have a little brief little chat here, but we're probably going to answer – more of your emails and that sort of thing uh, in in the episode that we're going to drop next week. We need so time to digest, say, you
1: know, and absorb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah.
2: So you can still send us emails, still watching at gmail.com. We really loved, if you missed it, we did a little like sort of mailbag episode, um, a couple days ago, uh, before the finale, and we loved getting all of your emails. So please do send us more emails. Um, and I know we have a few sitting unanswered in the inbox right now, so we will get to those, I promise. Um, I wanted to mention two housekeeping things before we get into the episode itself. One is that someone did email in, uh, in response to some of our discussions about Marvel TV to mention that we missed out on, um, a big show, uh, which is, uh, Agent Carter, which is, you know, yeah. obviously this is Peggy Carter, Haley Atwell's character, um, who, you know, had her own series. And that series also was about, You know, grief and loss. It's about Peggy sort of mourning Steve and stuff like that and and female created and all this sort of stuff like that. So my deep apologies. I did watch and was really charmed by that show. I like that Um, show. I thought that was one of the best of
1: the Marvel TV shows, actually. I agree. And most connected to the MCU. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So when we were talking about connections to the MCU, we missed, we missed a big one. So thank you for that email. I think that came from Carol. Thank you so much for that reminder. And then, uh, Anthony Bresdikin, the question on everyone's minds, uh, this Friday morning. Uh, what do you call a gathering of, uh, witches, Anthony?
1: (laughs) Okay. So, uh, I believe most. People would would say that a gathering of witches witches is a coven, and I know that that's how it's pronounced. But some listeners of the show have um, have noted that I uh, I tend to pronounce it a different way. I pronounce it um, like coven, and I like covid,
2: funny. but with an n at the end of it. Coven,
1: coven. yeah. Uh, coven, and I yeah. know I do it. It's every time I say it, I know it's wrong and i do it anyway <laughs> and it's too late <laughs> but like i was really uh i was amused that somebody one of our our listeners noticed and uh i have to say it's not it's not strictly like a it's not a pittsburgh accent thing although that, there's a little bit of that uh sometimes in the way we pronounce things but if everybody would think way back 20 years ago to the year 2001 which used to sound like the future but now is the very distant past. <laughs> uh there was a documentary called American Movie that was about a, a young guy named Mark Borchardt who was um uh, I think he was in the Midwest somewhere I can't remember exactly where but like he was just a, he was not a connected guy he was a, he was just like a Kevin Smith wannabe filmmaker from nowhere who is going to make a horror movie called Coven. And there's a scene in the movie. I don't know if Dave can even insert this clip. Uh, the name of the film is Coven. It's pronounced Coven, man. What else could it be pronounced? Uh, coven, uh, that's the proper pronunciation. No 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 no. no, 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 no. Coven sounds like oven, man. And that's just, it doesn't work. Coven, Coven. Coven? Uh, unless you want to put an umlaut or something over the O. A what? <laughs> You mean those, oh, hold on a second, those two dots? Yes. Possible. Part of the charm of the movie is how, just like, how his will to power, <laughs> he is so determined to make this movie, and he is so confident in everything he's doing, even though it's not fully working. And uh, his pronunci- pronunciation of Coven is one of it, and like, one of those things. And so I've just absorbed the the word coven to replace coven it's kind of i think i described it in slack to you yesterday as uh as like it's like why it's like letting these wildflowers grow even though they're an invasive species so every time <laughs> every time i've said the word coven this is the conversation that's in my brain it's like no it's coven yes i know i know but i like i like coven i I like that thing from the movie. And no, yeah, but it's wrong and people are going to notice. Nobody's noticed. Well, okay, somebody finally noticed. Here's my long explanation. It's a little personal in joke. It's kind of like people calling target Target, and eventually you stop saying that ironically and you're just calling it Target.
0: <laughs> I um
2: I was I was telling Anthony that I Often pronounce the word milk as malk because of a Simpsons joke. So
1: mm-hmm. uh you know
2: these things just happen. Anyway, that is why Anthony does know how it's supposed to be pronounced, but that's why he pronounces it COVID. I know. So what did you think?
1: <laughs> uh, but I don't do it intentionally. It's not like I deliberately do it. I just do it, and then I go every time in my head. I'm like, it's not COVID.
2: Anyway. Uh, so that's linguistics corner with Anthony, President, and Joyner Robinson. Um,
1: you should put Anthony- umlauts over it. Just put umlauts. Uh. <laughs>
2: Um, Anthony, uh, before we get into this episode, uh, I just, you know, Richard and I just announced that we're going to be covering Falcon and Winter Soldier next. And I'm just wondering, like, you know, really quickly if you could say, um, you know, why, why, why that's what we're doing and whether you're excited for it and, and what you think.
1: I'm not excited. I can't believe you've dragged me into this. <laughs> <laughs> No, I I was sad that WandaVision was ending because I've enjoyed these talks so much and I've really enjoyed yeah. the listener responses and uh, man, I can't wait to do it again and just and also we don't have to wait a long time it's like coming right up it's not like it's not like uh, the Mandalorian where we've got like another okay I'll catch you next year like we've got uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier coming right up in a couple of weeks so uh, yeah I hope that that show. Gives us the fertile ground to project all our cockamamie theories <laughs> that never that never pan out. Our deep dives. That... What
2: was <laughs> what was your reaction? I already I already revealed mine, and I'll tell you in a second. But what was your reaction every single time uh, something happened in the finale where like it made it very clear that we were super off base uh, with any of our fan theories and uh, thoughts?
1: Uh, just kind of like, um, just sort of like. I, I, I was okay I I was okay with it because I think it um I think it matched my final theory in our last episode. Do you remember when I said last thing here, expect like a battle between the witches, expect visions to face off. Don't expect Marvel to go like deep into some sort of
2: mythology mythology
1: explanation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think we got that. So I feel like, you know, I kind of pulled out of that dive at <laughs> the last second. But here's the thing. <laughs> yeah. They were, I mean, they did give us a lot of clues and things to read into that didn't pan out. And I don't know that that's our fault. Like, we followed the breadcrumb trail. It's not our fault that it led to, like, the Looney Tunes black wall painted like a tunnel. <laughs> we just ran into <laughs> it. <laughs>
2: Richard, my reaction every time was just sort of like, "Oh well, <laughs> yeah. oh, oh well." well it was okay, fun while it
1: lasted, you know. Um, <laughs> um I think when we you're other- right about yeah. most things, you were right about her reabsorbing vision as, uh, as i I'll part give myself
2: partial someone. credit for that. Sure, I'll
1: sure, give sure. you full credit for that. I mean, it. I mean, how, it, you're not expected to. That's what happened. Like you didn't. You don't have to spell it out. It, it wasn't like a dis. Like oh, now I shall reabsorb you. But that's what happened. Is that wall was closing in on them. That's the moment they had, and I thought that was actually pretty beautiful. I was satisfied I was overall by good. the thing. I'm I'm disappointed that uh, Agatha wasn't trying to like resurrect a senior Scratchy. I do think the Ralph Bo- Bonner Boner joke, yeah, B O H N E R, was yeah. like. Mm. I, I mean, like I, completely. I, I, I,
2: I, I, that's the. I mean, I was telling Richard this. This is. this is I mean, the finale is where the Richard and Anthony segments sort of <laughs> come together, um, in a in a grand Scarlet Witch fashion. Because yeah, I mean, uh, there's nothing really further for us to speculate here. Uh, the the boner joke is just really. That's the only moment of the finale where I was just like, really. Um Yeah, that was a Silver letdown. Stuff just like a, feels like why yeah, cast Evan
1: on. Peters from another cinematic yeah. universe if you're not gonna i think they thought it was with
2: that. they thought I, i'm sh- absolutely sure they thought it was funny <laughs> and, and i'm like i this isn't funny other things are funny it's funny that that paul bettany was teasing himself that's funny yes this is the actor that he funny. most
1: <laughs> admired working with was himself like is yeah that really what he was doing
2: yeah um i think that's funny uh but uh Every, every, the, the Quicksilver
1: stuff I feel less uh, funny about. Um, I have one thread. Yeah. yeah, We don't have to go deep into this. But, like, what happened to the beekeeper? I mean, I don't know. Did he just. Die? That was a human
2: being. Like we never saw. I know. I know.
1: Did someone love him and care about him? Did somebody love him? Like, (laughs) well, no one think of the beekeeper. (laughs) Yeah, well, no one think of the beekeeper. Like he just he he put his life at risk to crawl into the hex, and like and and he just vanished. Like he didn't get thrown out of the hex. Did she just dissolve him? Like they did to the people they killed in um in uh. Breaking bad? Like <laughs> where did he go? I don't know. Everybody else got uh got a little bit of like she was like, I'm so sorry, you know, that I, I I basically uh puppeteered you guys for for a while. And like meanwhile the beekeeper is gone. I don't know. I they just forgot about him.
2: Um yes, I do think they forgot about him. I think some people thought he had been like repurposed into the town, but we never really got um a payoff on that. And, um, you know, and that's sort of, I think what Matt Shackman was sort of preparing us for, which is just sort of like, uh, ramp down your expectations <laughs> for this finale. You've, you've spun yourself up, kids. You've gotten, you've, you've had too much fan theory juice. Um, but I really don't think it's the absence of, of fan theory payoff that, that leaves me where I'm feeling with this finale, which is just sort of like, um, I wanted more of that, like, the, the stuff we got with the Wanda Vision farewell. I thought that was so well done. I think if Agatha and uh, Wanda could have found, like, a space, be it, you know, a space in a different, you know, plane of existence or whatever, do you have, like, a quieter chat about things? I think that would have been more fun for me than, like, trying to do it while they're flying through the air. There's a little bit of that in the, like, flashback to the – Salem scene Mm -hmm. which I thought was very creepy and well done but I I think even more just like quiet for them that's what people want from a Marvel show right two ladies quietly talking in a room oh is that just me I don't know but like um, a little less hurling fireballs at each other and a little bit more of these two great actresses um, digging into this really meaty uh, question of, of power and Danger and responsibilities, do you know what I mean
1: I'll tell you i uh, yes uh, I mean i I think Marvel does this like when they have the quiet moments, they make them really loud. you know how do you mean by that well like if when you have this thing where the two characters have to have a heart to heart and and finally reach a resolution, let's do it while they're flying around and hurling fireballs, and there'll be giant lightning filled mm. scarlet clouds billowing all around like they <clears throat> they amp up the uh environment. In the situation to have the conversation, you know, it's never just like a Noah Bombach thing in a room. <laughs> you know,
2: what's your what's your favorite fight in a Marvel movie? Hmm. Like, what's a fight that you just like really loved? A
1: fight that I really love. Ah, uh, gotta go to the Black Panther fight. You know, between oh, that's so interesting, uh, Killmonger
2: but- and and T'Challa. Yeah.
1: Killmonger and T'Challa, I was going to say the actors, <laughs> the, the yeah. fight between Chad. Chadwick Boseman and Michael B. Jordan, but they probably got nowhere near that fight. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you, to, uh, digital pixels in yeah, suits. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah.
1: stunt people. But like, uh, but uh, yeah, that, I think that fight, I mean, partly because again, you know, it's those quiet moments they have, uh, at the end and the exchanges they have, but it's in amongst this, big sparkling clash that's, you know, in the caves of of Vibranian Mines and literally taking place, someone pointed out, on an underground railroad and, like, um, yeah, it had some big ideas. It had some, you know, very personal moments as well. And I think that's probably my favorite fight.
2: Um,
1: How about you?
2: Yeah, so, like, for me, for Black Panther – I don't, that fight is actually one of my least favorite parts of that movie because I think the, it, it just feels so, uh, disconnected from the characters because they're in those full body suits. For me, the part right at the very end where the two of them are talking to the cliff that is well, like, the payoff right that's that's the, power. <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean mm-hmm. so i think that, i guess that's that's uh, that's what i want for marvel that's not quite what marvel has on offer and that's okay um but yeah so did you have do you have any like questions from this finale or any like particular moments that stand out to you especially
1: yeah i mean well, where does white vision go right
3: mm-hmm. uh
1: it seems to me that Vision lives on because he downloaded all his memories into uh, the White Vision. What we call is that, do we, is that what we call him the White Vision?
2: I mean, who knows what we want to call him? The closing credits just called him the Vision. So, uh,
1: <clears throat> uh, yeah. So it's like he 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 just reminds me of like an unpainted ceramic at Color Me Mine. <laughs> doesn't he (laughs) do you feel
2: like do you like the the thing that makes so so we saw the the memory download and Mm -hmm. it feels like all of the memories went in there you know even the wanda memories because like in the comics right like white vision doesn't remember his love for wanda and that's a a point of trauma for her right Mm -hmm. um it seems like purple vision (laughs) put all of his wanda memories in there um or unlock them he didn't put them in there he he unlocked them in white vision right uh and but if that were the case if 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 that version of vision tongue twister were just completely the vision we know and love from the films wouldn't he have flown to wanda's side to help her hmm and because he didn't, that to me feels like he might remember her, but he's not – maybe he doesn't – maybe there's committed. just something about him where he doesn't feel the same things. That whole ship of Theseus conversation, you know what I mean? So, like, he might remember it, but I don't know that he feels it because otherwise I think he would have been in that fight with them, you know?
1: Also, the ship of Theseus thing was a lot – that was a lot at one in the morning, a couple of rum and cokes deep. <laughs> like, <laughs> Like, to talk about, like, okay, there's your, there's your like, quiet moment, right? They're in this blown-out library, and they're just having, like, this discussion about the ship of Theseus. And I'm like, uh, yeah. okay, guys, go get back to the punching? <laughs> but it was good. I liked it. I'm going to have to Wikipedia that. <laughs>
2: um the I, I i love that moment but again like that's a moment where i wish they hadn't been floating through the air but as you say like marvel's never going to give me that yeah. <laughs> they're always going to be floating through the air when they're talking about the ship of theseus um yeah what about what about the way in which woo and monica and darcy and hayward were all used in this episode
1: a little perfunctory like yeah darcy you know is this brilliant smart aleck astrophysicist uh who also knows a lot about pop culture like like her and her power in the finale was to crash the car into hayward right you know um i feel like the again i think it's like endings are tough because build-ups are more interesting and and you get to guess what's coming and then ultimately it's just going to be a fight and then a little bit of conversation to resolve it and then everybody's going to move on um so yeah i mean i I didn't feel like anybody was really anybody got a real surprising moment at the end you know you agree my yeah uh
2: i think (laughs) i was wondering why um why it was that uh darcy wasn't there at the end and like my most cynical brain was like kat dennings was not available for (laughs) post-covid reshoots or something like that do you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like her her role in the finale was so like she could have done that from anywhere um so yeah
1: maybe i did like the resolution for agatha like i i like and it was a question last week about whether she would die and i'm glad she didn't die and I think. Right. So, so punishment- they put her on
2: ice and they can use her again if they want to, right?
1: Yeah. And, you know, we talked last week about like crime and punishment, right? Uh, and I think we decided we would not call it punishment, but consequences. Like, the consequences of her actions is that she doesn't get to live in her glamorous purple floaty witch form, that she actually has to be the Snoopy neighbor. Uh, <laughs> that's just going to be her prison. <laughs> like, that she has to be Agnes. Or Ag- uh, uh, Ag- yeah, she has to be Agnes. And like, I, I what I liked was I think that's like Catherine Han's truest form. Like she is her most confident and funny and, and, and sharp when she is, uh, you know, throwing out the puns, the little quirky neighbor puns. Like I thought that she's really great <laughs> in that role. So if that's how we get Agatha going forward, I'm all for it.
2: Well, I feel like I feel like what they're laying the groundwork for is that like, um, they will need her to help with wanda and um, that was a great
1: line too i'll know where to find you like
2: yeah (laughs) or wanda will need her to help her help herself or something like that Mm -hmm. but um but yeah it's uh i don't know i'm excited to think about this more honestly i feel like i feel like we're a little we're doing this like slightly surface and that's just because there's a lot to digest and i'm excited that we're going to do another episode next week um the the agatha thing yeah, it feels like something that Thor would do to Loki.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, what I mean? <laughs> like you're not dead, but, but you got you're in a timeout. Uh, you work in uh, office and...
1: space now. You know, yeah, and, yeah. Like, <laughs> exactly. Get those TPS forms. to me. Like. <laughs>
2: um. Uh. All right. Well, anything else you want to you want to mention?
1: Yeah, I mean, I do think there's. I think a little disappointment in the quality of the finale. It, it's no, like like the, I think one of the best episodes was the Agatha all along episode, you know, like we didn't really get any explanation for, um, what the purpose of the same actors in the commercials were. You know, I thought there should have been, I think when you create a mystery, you need to respect that you've created that mystery and resolve it in some way for people. Um, you know, the same goes for Ray and star Wars if you're going to make us wonder who her parents are don't don't then go well why do you care about that like you made us care about that um as long as there's some resolution stick to it and and this felt a little bit like that like they built up a, a bunch of mysteries and then resolved a, the the core of it and then left a bunch of other threads hanging um the thing i found most satisfying is that uh i like the line i don't need you to tell me who i am that she's scarlet witch and she's she knows what she can do i also like that she, the acknowledgement i think i you know I, this is a little payoff from what i i think you or i had described in the past episode that agatha knows book learning like she knows she knows yeah, all yeah, the recipes have- but she doesn't have any of the art like or the raw talent or she yeah. or she has some obviously raw talent but like not as much as uh, as Wanda, and uh, yeah. that Wanda learned the runes trick. I love that that Agatha was undone by her own like little runes trick, and that she made the whole hex her broom and her. Space. That's
2: one of those moments when you wish you didn't watch the previously on because they hit the runes thing in the previously on. I was like, oh, that's how Wanda's that's gonna, gonna come solve back. Yeah. this. But um, the only uh, I often urge people to skip the previously on because they have to do that for people who are watching more casually. But for those of us who are watching a little too closely, I was like, Oh, Oh, it's the runes.
1: Yeah, Um, It can can project things a little too, too much.
2: But Um, I think Agatha said something that almost felt like she was quoting exactly you. When you said this idea of Agatha being book learning and Wanda being pure in unbridled instinct mm -hmm. and, and that there is enormous raw power there, but without the discipline like she's just using this uh the dark hold this this book which which we should say one of the most ominous things about that end of credits thing uh which you know is Wanda studying the dark hold and and think and hearing her children and like thinking about you know i don't know tearing the universe apart to try to find them i don't know we'll see what she does um is in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I don't think this is a direct connection to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but the Darkhold, it, you know, she names the Darkhold the Book of the Damned. Mm-hmm. It's a its a book that has existed in Marvel Entertainment before in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It is a different design in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so I'm not, I don't think they're trying to say, this is the exact same book from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but something you should know from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., that TV show, is anyone who tried to uh, interact with the Darkhold had a very bad end and a corrupted end. Mm. So there's just a lot of danger simply in Wanda reading that book at all. Um, and bear in mind that it's, it still looks like a book that maybe Agatha stole from the the library um, the in Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. And also you know so so it's a book that Stephen Strange himself will not have studied so he won't have that information and also agatha you know makes note of the fact that the scarlet witch will be more powerful even than the sorcerer supreme so if they are at odds in doctor strange um advantage wanda
1: i, I, I one of the things i like is that they leaned into the halloweeny aspect if, if i can make yeah. up a little word there of Scarlet witch, like she's a witch, like she's a little bit scary. That's a scary image at the end where she's out on the front porch of her cabin in her snug, snuggly little sweatpants or whatever, little tracksuit, And then she goes inside and you see, she's really in the back in this dark room, like floating, you know, uh, spider like, you know, in this web of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, magical threads reading this book with glowing red eyes like i like that they make the witch kind of scary witch it's not just i'm a magic person it's spooky um that was scary and then you hear her two children calling for her help so uh, that i also felt like you know her putting the two kids to bed and then waiting for the shock wave to shrink uh, or the hex to close in collapse around them and for them to disappear that was really sad
2: oh yeah no I, I that, just, was a, that was that was that and the vision goodbye, I think, is just like where the show really did a great job. That ominous, sort of slow moving red wall closing in around them.
1: It reminded knowing, me of election you know. night.
2: Election night? Yeah. Tell me why. Tell me why.
1: I just remember thinking, uh, you know, sorry to veer into politics here, but like <laughs> that moment when you, when like Florida goes Trump and you're like, oh my God, is this going to happen? Or like, Are we going to be stuck with four more years? And I, you know,. I, I just, I thought it was going to happen, right? I thought that we're doomed and I just turned everything off and I just went up and played with my kids. Like we had some transformer toys and I'm, I'm just going to, let's just play. Like what would I do if the asteroid was coming to earth? You know, I don't think I would stand out there and stare at it. I would try to like enjoy whatever final moments. And I felt like that's what she was trying to do. Sorry, I said i would take a sad turn here. But fortunately, it worked out for the best. (laughs) But like, but like, that's what I was thinking. It's like, oh my god, like we're in for a very. This is going to be scary going forward, and and at the very least, and and if you knew the world was ending, what would you do at that time? Her world was ending. It wasn't just oh, we're going to let these people go and stop play acting. It's that that bit where she says division like this will be bad for our family, but good for the other people. uh, I thought was really moving. She was letting go of her, the things she loved most. And, you know, I thought that was very affecting. But I'm also relieved to hear that the, the boys' voices, even though they're in distress, like they're out there somewhere and maybe she can reconnect with them.
2: or well, I think I suspect we're going to talk about that a little bit more um, when yeah. we uh, talk about this finale next week um, this idea of of how exactly this might lead into Doctor Strange 2 please do email us stillwashingpod at gmail.com we will read all uh, all of your emails and read as many of them on air as we can and we'll have uh, Jack Schaefer and Catherine Hahn to talk to us about the whole series and how it went uh, and then we will suit up for Falcon and the Winter Soldier so that's the plan we're going to do it we're just going to keep on doing it Um Anthony Bresnikan Yes. Until we meet again, <laughs> where can folks find you? You
1: can hear, see me on coven.com <laughs> talking about <laughs> witches and pronunciation and uh, 20-year-old documentaries about filmmaking. And also at vanityfair.com.
2: Excellent. Uh, you can find me at vanityfair.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Wrote this, And we will see you next week uh, and beyond. Thanks so much for listening.
1: Bye. Bye.